20 minutes after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. If you just joined us, uh, we kick things off out in the markets. Markets having closed two hours and 20 minutes ago. We check in with some company news and uh, also some of the latest uh, coming out of the South African economy. Akwana Mlamlele is my guest, portfolio manager out at 274 Investment Managers. Akwana, good evening to you. Welcome. Compliments of the new year. Desaitetaktik figo match le your best wishes for 2023. Compliments with man. I hope you had a good break. <laughs> uh, well, it was good. It was good. And I certainly hope you had a good one too. No, I did. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, refreshed, but yeah, good. Thank you. No, that's good. I went to Kakbo and got compliments. That being said, Akona, uh, we saw a data print coming out uh, today. And of course, we've seen a few coming out of Stats SA uh, in the early parts of this year. Mining production and sales coming through, uh, following, of course, the manufacturing production and sales we saw coming out last week, uh, both for the month of November 2022. And it seems, in the case of the big uh, price winners of the COVID-19 moment, platinum group metals, iron ore, uh, we've seen some major reductions in production and also reductions in sales. Much of this having to do, I guess, with uh, the strong prices we would have seen in 2021. Correct, um, Ayabonga. As you see, some of the resources counters, um, which did fall quite considerably during that COVID period of 2020 um, and rebounding quite nicely in 2021. Um, but unfortunately, in 2022, um, they did have a number of headwinds that did affect them. So that's essay coming out of that number, the mining production report for the uh, month of November of 2022, um, indicating in this particular report that mining production um, unfortunately decreased by 9% year on year. Um, some of the biggest detractors, particularly coming to that number, um, have been some of the PGMs, um, PGMs detracting by 22%, um, iron ore detracting by 19.4%, um, and diamonds um, detracting by 21.5%. Um, and this particular November number was the 10th um, consecutive month of negative numbers coming up, particularly from the sector um, pertaining to production. Um, so that is they did um, allude to some of the challenges that were faced by some of these um, um, counters and some of these, uh, the sector particularly last year, um, highlighting um, some of the strikes that did take place last year um, in some of the um, resources companies, um, the strikes that took place um, at Transnet, um, if you recall, at their tail end of last year, mm. um, the strikes at how uh, particularly pertaining to the rail um, and the ports. Um, which did affect um, exporting some of these resources out um, to South Africa. But also not forgetting um, the challenge that we um, are currently faced with, the load shedding, which did impact the sector considerably and continues to not impact this particular sector, but across all the different spheres um, of our economy. Yeah, yeah. And it makes me wonder, Akona, whether or not the commodity price nice time or upswing of the cycle is over, because... There's a lot that depends on it. I mean, least of all, uh, you know, the uh, tax collections there out at uh, the Ministry of Finance, uh, which were buoyed somewhat, uh, certainly in the 2022 budget, on the back of better collections because of better production and, I guess, better earnings on the part of many of the miners. Yeah, so um, maybe just coming to that sales, the mineral sales, um, that's also declining by negative um, 13.2. Um, but you will recall um, last year, um, coming into February where the Ukraine um, and um, Russia conflict um, just spurred or just turned around many um, economies and sectors um, affecting a number of industries such as the current one that we're speaking of, um, but also coming into um, China 
where there was hard lockdowns that did impact particularly the exporting of some of these goods, um, which the, the, the Chinese market uh, makes use of in terms of their production. But um, I don't think it's the end yet. Um, I think we've come into it after 2023, and we've seen some of these counters rally quite significantly. Um, this on the back of the announcement by the Chinese authorities just to... Um, decrease uh, particularly those um, rigid um, COVID restrictions that they had last year. So um, I don't think um, it's the end particularly for the sector. Um, I think they do have um, a few opportunities, particularly in the Chinese regions, where um, they could start um, getting back to uh, normal production, um, which could benefit some of these um, resource counters. Yeah, we'll certainly be watching that rather closely. But let's maybe stay there, I guess, uh, just for a little bit out in uh, the world of mineral and commodity production. Yeah, I must say, I never knew that uh, all of the plastic packets, you know, you know, if, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Plastic yeah. bags that you get from, you know, the grocery retailers. Um, certainly as black people, we're the best recyclers of them, I must say. Um, but uh, other people, I guess, are doing it on a much bigger scale. And uh, yeah, the production of synthetic oils from the non-recyclable of some of the plastic materials is something that a listed entity, Kibo Energy, I gave some, uh, I guess, clues to the market about earlier on today. They say this might, I guess, be the cherry on top of uh, the uh, project that they announced uh, in February mm-hmm. last year, which is a waste-to-energy project. And they're saying, well, uh, aside from just the syngas, you could potentially be feeding some electricity into the grid. Yeah, correct. So um, for those that are too familiar with the, the company um, Kibo Energy, which is um, has shifted um, its business operations to be a more of a renewable energy-focused company, um, indicating, um, announcing, as you've indicated last year, but communicating again um, today that it will potentially um, be introducing an additional revenue stream um, within its African operations um, of approximately 2.7 megawatts of plastic to send gas power plant. Um, this is potential um, new revenue, particularly for the company, uh, which does involve the production of synthetic oil um, from non-recyclable plastic waste, which you are referring to earlier on, um, in addition to the production of electricity, which is um, very much needed um, from Syngas. And the company indicating that it promises to be a significant benefit, particularly for the project, um, particularly the production of, um, of electricity, additional electricity, that is, um, particularly for some of these projects that they um, have embarked on. So as a renewable energy company, if you cast your back your mind to a couple of years when they were um, very much still in the coal businesses, but um, mm. last year they um, started to just shed off some of these coal operations and some of these assets um, and just moving their business operations um, to more of um, future projects that are more um, energy-saving, renewable mm. energy, um, something that obviously a lot of companies um, are shifting towards. Is this the new frontier, Akona? This, uh, because, you know, if, if I look at what Kibo Energy is doing and I look at some of what one hears from Sabanya Stillwater, for instance, um, around potential uh, circular economy plays. I mean, I think they have a tailings recycling operation out in Australia as well, and uh, the battery stuff they're doing out in Finland. Um, and a big part of many of these sort of primary commodity producers shift towards the circular economy is about, I guess, introducing some of these innovative processes to generate some of the things we need, fuel and electricity. Is this the next phase? Um, and if so... Uh, I guess, who are some of the other South African players that uh, are also playing here? Yeah, so I think it is the next phase. Um, 
Yes, we've spoken um, quite um, extensively, particularly pertaining to South Africa's load shedding and the opportunities that um, do arise, particularly in this difficult period. Mm. Um, but we do know that some of the events that did take place last year um, with regards to Russia and Ukraine, um, which put particularly emerging markets, such as uh, areas such as Europe, um, into an energy crisis. Um, and they were having to obviously go back to the drawing board and say, how can we obviously get energy um, elsewhere, um, outside of Russia? Um, so people having to just get more innovative um, ways of trying to um, get energy, uh, not only for South Africa, but obviously some of the, the key areas and regions where um, it's most pertinently needed. Mm-hmm. And then if we are to shift our attention, I guess, uh, to um, technology player, EOH and uh, yeah they certainly over the last while had a very checkered existence out in the marketplace they've come out today saying they want to I guess rejig their capital structure somewhat uh, the mix mm. between you know equity or you know shareholding and uh, debt and uh, yeah launching a 500 million or half a billion uh, equity fundraising uh, effort a capital raise there and uh, also indicating uh, that uh, I guess uh, this uh, is part of their new uh, mm. I guess, yeah, how do I say, right into the future, which might also include a BE deal. Yeah, correct. So the JC listed IT um, services group um, today highlighting um, they planned um, restructure, particularly pertaining to their debt, um, following a planned rights issue, which they did communicate last year, um, which is seeking to raise um, 500 million um, from um, the shareholders, existing shareholders. Um, so today they did provide an update on their financial performances for their first half of the financial year of 2023, um, but also indicating if the rights issue is successful, um, the debt that they currently um, have within their balance sheet um, will be financed with a number of options. Um, and there's about four options that they do list, um, but they are in an effort just to emerge particularly from the crisis that they have been um, in, particularly in the last management oh, yeah, yeah. hiking. Can so, you hear me? Sorry, I lost you there for a second. You were saying uh, after the last few years? Yeah, so after the last few years, if you recall, um, the company was involved particularly to some irregularities um, in the state capture. And I think the new management um, is trying to just turn around, particularly this shift. Um, and in turning around the shift, um, they have obviously opted to um, their capital structure, to restructure their capital structure. And that's why they have come out with mm. the, the, um, the, the raising of particularly of these assets. So you did allude um, some of the... Um, partner that they'll be um, entering in, particularly pertaining to new shares, um, is the empowerment partner, um, Nibashi Investment Group, mm. um, in which they'll be um, particularly um, taking up the 100 million specific issue of shares. Uh, but I think um, the company, particularly in 2022, um, company was down 41%. So I think this is particularly one of the steps that they need um, in order just to fix particularly the business operations. Um, they have had to restructure the company um, in the last few years, the new management, um, selling quite a few key um, valuable businesses um, for it to become more of a lean and more focused business um, mm. going forward. Yeah, and uh, I guess an interesting one here because it's not a company going to shareholders with a begging bowel because they're a mm. slouch or anything like that. Uh, it does seem, I guess, the turnaround by um, Stephen van Koller there and uh, moving along uh, mm-hmm. margins are up, uh, you know, operating profits improved um, and uh, seemingly, I guess, uh, continuing to see some improvements there. Why, I guess, uh, was the market greeting this with a cold stare, if I can say that? 
Yeah, so I think um, the company still has a long way to go um, in terms of will the new management be able to execute some of the plans that they have. Um, so the, the, the company and new management do have um, quite significant plans just to grow this business mm. um, and take it out of the, the slump that it currently is. Um, they did indicate that um, their debt levels did come down from 1.3 to 1.2 billion, um, but they uh, are very much trying to restructure particularly this business. Um, and I don't think it will be quite an easy ship to turn around, um, particularly in this macro environment, the economy that we currently um, are experiencing. Mm. Tough times indeed. And uh, I guess, uh, yeah, entities like EOH probably going to join a legion of others who are going to go to their shareholders trying to raise capital, trying to, I guess, navigate uh, what the new uh, environment looks like. Maybe just as we wrap up, Akona, um, a follow-up, it seems now, on a very interesting story that had come out towards the end of last year, a raid by the competition authorities on a few insurers. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, this time around, one of the news uh, agencies here in South Africa getting some more information about uh, what might be at the center of some of the allegations that the Competition Commission is making. And it seems, uh, by some of the evidence that's presented there, that uh, this might be a collusive scheme that has um, been around for over 30 years. Yeah, so correct. So if it cost a month to last year, August, um, the Competition Commission was um, granted um, permission by the various high courts in Gauteng, um, KZN and Western Cape um, to raid particularly some of the um, big insurance companies um, after the commission had submitted to the courts um, evidence of suspected collusion um, mm-hmm. by some of these insurers, big insurers. Um, so this particular um, collusion, alleged collusion, um, rather dates back, um, the competition indicates, um, till since the late 1980s. Um, so the information that they have garnered and have been able to garner thus far um, dates back to then in terms of insurers keeping rate books um, where each um, recorded prices of affected products would be exchanged between um, the different insurers. Mm. Um, at the beginning of the, the, the early 90s, um, the, they were loading the prices onto, if you will call the floppy disks. Uh, and then obviously as technology advanced, um, these um, particular insurers, alleged insurers, um, have been using online platforms um, where they can gain access and login details um, to their competitors' pricing and products, um, such as your investment products, your insurance products, or your um, even retirement fund products. So the Competition Commission um, has indicated that this potentially robs particular consumer um, of competitive prices and also choices, um, which is what they're currently investigating. Mm. Yeah, it's one of those stories. I mean, just when we think about this, um, South Africa, just by, I guess, assets under management, if one thinks about it, the insurance sector and the pension fund industry long term uh, in, South, in South Africa, in relation to the size of the economy, are probably massive, uh, if one thinks about it. A lot of household savings mm. have been put into, like, many risk products and, mm. you know, are thus invested in the economy. And, and uh for a, se- a sector of that size, I mean, to, to think how long this has gone on for, wh- what do you think the implications are, are going to be if indeed, as this goes through the processes, uh, the courts, of course, will also have mm. to uh, take a look at it and adjudicate on the matter. But mm. if indeed it is found that a lot of the allegations that the competition authorities are making are indeed true, mm. wh- what implications, if any, will this have for the insurance sector and I guess um, so their operating model as we've become accustomed to it? 
Yeah, so a lot of them were started pre-democracy the, um, of 1994. Mm. Um, and they've had um, particularly a head start, um, um, particularly pertaining to some of their businesses. Um, and I think um, they are extremely huge businesses employing um, thousands of um, South Africans on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I think the Competition Commission um, could likely look at a, a big fine um, at some of these um, insurers. Um, maybe some of the smaller ones um, might um, not fend off quite as nicely as the big ones pertaining to the finance and also in terms of the activities that did take place. Um, so at the top of my head at the moment, I'll just think at a fine. Um, it will be difficult to see any of them um, being or going down under. Um, I don't think so. I think the, the fine is probably the, the most likelihood that one that could happen presently. Mm. Because, I mean, the reason why I ask that, one would expect that, you know, with a finding like this, that the response from the government, one assumes, would be to certainly circumscribe how it is that they operate. Because I don't think it's just about information sharing, Mm. but even just the illusion for us as consumers that there is competition. I mean, the price comparison one makes it worse when I think about it. Um, But even the sense that if I go to an old mutual, or if I go to a Liberty, or if I go to a PPS... Um, I think I might be able to get a better price. Mm-hmm. Um, effectively, I guess, makes, you know, uh, what do they call it? Price search or price discovery for me as a consumer. Like, a, it's a fake thing. It's not, it's not real because effectively mm-hmm. there's somebody else behind the scenes, you know, that coordinating, yeah, 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 coordinating, pulling the strings and effectively, mm-hmm. you know, foreclosing any real competition on the question of price because mm-hmm. it, it's about the premiums. Yeah, correct. So it, it will be interesting to see what the competition does, um, of comp- commission does obviously find, um, or in terms of the, the finality particularly pertaining to this. Um, but I think we also just need to be also cognizant, um, in terms of, if you recall last year, um, a lot of these, um, some of the management and executives, um, did come out saying that they don't, um, see anything wrong. So, um, it will be, be interesting to see how they do defend um, particularly some of these practices um, that have been ongoing particularly um, for over 30 years sure Akana as always a pleasure catching up with you thank you very much for your time and once again best wishes for 2023 Akona Mlamlele is a portfolio manager out at 274 investment managers